Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. It's a blessing to be able to uh, uh, just uh, listen to the Word and learn from the Word and and be able to encourage one another. Amen. The, the Scripture teaches us that we should encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is going to return. Amen. How many of you believe that? How many believe that the Lord is going to return? Amen. And guess what? We need all the encouragement that we can get to get to that point. Amen. Because the enemy is not going to stop. He's not going to like slow down. He's not going to stop trying to, you know, discourage us. He's not going to stop trying to, you know, dissuade you from, from, you know, following Christ and from loving the Lord. But the enemy is going to basically do anything that he can to, 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 you know, bring you to that place in your life where you would lose faith or maybe you would lose just hope in the Lord. Amen. And this evening, I want to just bring a word of encouragement to you, amen? And I'm thankful because, you know, every time that we get to, you know, uh, uh, come to the house of the Lord, I, I pray that we're encouraged, amen? I pray that we're encouraged to continue serving the Lord, amen? If you come to the house of God and you don't find encouragement, then, then maybe something's being done wrong, amen? Maybe you talked to the wrong brother or sister in Christ and, and, you know, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and they didn't want to encourage you, but... For the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking, you know, pastor's been ministering on, on uh, his message on Sundays called Where Are the Farmers? And it's been a blessing, amen. It's been a powerful word that he's been sharing and, and uh, it's been a blessing to my life. It's just a, a healthy reminder, amen, a healthy reminder of, of what we are called to do as the body of Christ, amen. A healthy reminder that we are uh, called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to be the messengers of the, of the word, amen. And over the last several weeks, you know, we've seen the Lord save souls. You know, I've got to go to the campus a few times and we, we got to take our, our uh, sent ministry to, to the... Um, uh, what do you call it, like the plaza here on 10th and Trenton, and we got to go out there, and we got to see people give their heart to Jesus, you know, and that's probably one of the most encouraging things that you will ever witness, is seeing somebody give their heart to Christ, amen? How many of you have ever seen somebody give their heart to the Lord? It's a powerful moment, amen, and how many of you remember that moment for you? You know, it, I believe it was a powerful moment that day that Christ introduced himself to you, and you beheld him, and you, you know, felt the power of the forgiveness and the, and the love of Jesus, amen? And so, you know, the last few weeks, you know, it's been kind of on my heart to minister to you tonight because... The Lord has been mobilizing the church and the Lord has been, you know, uh, just, you know, moving the church forward. And, you know, it's important that I believe, you know, by the end of, you know, uh, before Jesus returns, every Christian, every believer should be a witness. Amen. Every Christian should be a witness of what the Lord has done. Amen. That is, you are a witness, not just of what you've seen God do, but you tell others what God is doing. Amen. There's a difference, right? There's a difference between just simply saying, you know what, I've seen what God's done in somebody else's life. But the difference is when you're able to say, but guess, guess what? This is what God has done in my life. Amen. Acts chapter 1, 8 is, is such a, a, a foundational uh, scripture, you know, for our faith. And many of you know it, and I didn't give it to the guys at the back, but Acts 1, 8 says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
Amen? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Amen? That means that you will have something to share, that you will have something to testify about, that you will have something that you are able to tell the world and tell others about. Amen? And so it's encouraging to me because the Lord is doing something in our midst, church, and I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to, like, overlook it or, or, or miss out on what the Lord is doing. Amen? And so, Pastor, you know, he shared this, this verse on Sunday uh, in his message, and it's really where the Lord kind of has me tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. If you don't have your Bible or you're just taking notes, you can just highlight it and just write that verse down. But this is such a, a, a key verse. You know, it's important. And Pastor touched on it on Sunday. And I want to just kind of uh, go with that tonight as well. 1 Peter 3 and 15 says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Let's pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, we just thank you tonight. And we just thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. That your word would just, Lord, uh, just minister to our hearts tonight, God. That we would re receive your truth, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just use me as a vessel tonight, Lord. That Father, any words that are not yours, Lord, may they just fall to the ground, Lord. But may your word, may your name be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So this verse that we read uh, on Sunday and, and we read again to, tonight is, is a verse that I want to kind of just break down just for a minute. And, and I want to just, you know, help us understand a few things. Amen. Paul is speaking in this scripture to the apostle Peter and he's... He's addressing Peter and he's giving him instruction and he's giving him warning at the same time. So if you've read the whole chapter, you know, I would encourage you to do so. But you can read, you know, prior to, to this and see what's actually happening. But the reason for Paul doing so, the reason for Paul giving instruction and warning was because Peter was going to need the necessary advice and he was going to need the necessary instruction for what would come. Amen. How many of you know that the Lord will always give us what we need for what is to come? Amen. The Lord's not going to send you out. He didn't say, you know, you're going to be my witnesses, but you'll have no power. No, he says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Amen. You will have power to be a witness. Amen. So we see that the Lord is, is always doing things in order, right? He's not going to do anything where he's not going to give you what you need to be, you know, successful in what he's asking you to do. But rather, the Lord is going to give you everything that you need. So in this context, Paul is giving Peter the necessary advice for what is about to happen. And so he's speaking about a coming persecution. He's speaking to Peter about possible jail time. He's speaking to Peter, you know, about, you know, the persecution that was going to come upon his life in the future and in the coming days. Now, Pastor didn't mention that on Sunday, but I need to mention it to you now because it's important for us to understand. Sometimes we can take scripture out of context and maybe just, you know, kind of just use one verse at a time and maybe just say, well, that's what this means. But it has a deeper meaning than that. Amen. The scripture has a deeper meaning that he's speaking to Peter and he's saying, listen, Peter. 
I'm giving you a warning. I'm giving you instruction, Peter, because something's going to happen in your life that you need to be prepared for. You need to be ready for, Peter. You need to be ready because there's a coming persecution and jail time. And so he gives Peter a, a, a stern warning and he gives him instruction. And how many of you know that we need instruction? We need to know what to do, church. And the Lord has given us everything in his word. Amen. And so the first thing that he tells Peter, he says, first, you need to revere Christ as Lord. You need to revere him as Lord. You need to know that he is Lord of your life, Peter. Because what's about to happen is going to determine if he really is. What's about to happen in your life, Peter, is, is that there's going to be such an intense persecution, a squeezing, a pressing, you know, a, you know a people coming against you, Peter, that if he is really Lord, then you will worship him, you will love him, and you will follow him as such. And there's going to be a season, church, for each and every one of us where persecution will happen. Now, I'm not talking about just a simple back and forth conversation that you might have on Facebook. <laughs> you know, you post, you know, hey, come to my church and, you know, we love Jesus. And somebody says, no, I don't want to go to your church. You say, oh, my gosh, I was persecuted. No, you weren't. <laughs> That's not what persecution is. Did you know that the end of Peter's life would be like Jesus except upside down? Peter would eventually be nailed to a cross just like Jesus was nailed to a cross, but he was unworthy to die in the same manner. So he said, crucify me upside down. This was Paul's warning. This is what Paul is trying to get Peter to understand. He says, first, revere Christ as Lord. Do not fear, Peter, what man fears. Do not fear what man fears. Do not be concerned with those who can harm your body, Peter, but fear God. What does the scripture say? Fear God who can send both body and soul to, to hell. Say, fear God who can send both body and soul to hell. And so in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12, we we see this verse and it says, do not call conspiracy everything that this people calls a conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Verse 13, the Lord Almighty is the one that you are to regard as holy. And he is the one that you are to fear. And he is the one that you are to dread. As the scripture says that it would be worse for us to fall into the hands of a living God, that is into the punishment of a living God, than it would be for us to, you know, do anything else in this world, anything that man could do to us. And I say this as a warning, I say this as something that we have to understand, the Lord is to be revered, church, amen? That means the behind closed doors. That means in the conversations that you have. And that means in the way that you speak in your workplace. And that means the way that you communicate with your spouse or your loved ones. Everything, Jesus must be Lord of your life. Amen. In everything that we do, Jesus must be Lord of our life. And Paul wanted Peter to know to never take his eyes off of Christ. This was his warning. He said, revere him as Lord. Do not look to the right or to the left, Peter, but keep your eyes on Christ. 
And secondly, Paul tells Peter to always be ready. I thought it was interesting that Pastor, you know, walked around the church on Sunday and he was, you know, sticking the microphone in front of people's faces and it, it kind of made me laugh. And it, and it was funny to see, you know, a lot of people in the church and I don't know if he called on anyone here or not. I, well, I know he called on Pastor Thomas and, and you know, he was walking around and, and you know, you could kind of see because the camera guys were, were following him as he was walking around and you could see people going like, Kind of like, no, 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 you know, like, don't pick me, don't call on me. And it's funny, and I say that jokingly, but here's the truth of the matter. You must be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. You must be ready. And, and, and I'll get into the context of why this is important he tells Peter, be ready, be prepared. Other translations use the word, be prepared to give an answer, be prepared to give a defense for the reason of the hope that you have. Why was this important? Why was Paul emphasizing this to Peter? Because I believe there's two main reasons that we need to get from this, and that, that is this, because others need the living hope that you possess. You must always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have because others need the living hope that you possess. Amen? This is one of the main reasons why, but I believe secondly, it's also because others will challenge your faith. And this is where Paul was really emphasizing to Peter. He was emphasizing to him, listen, you're about to go before kings. You're about to go before Sanhedrin. You're about to go before the Pharisees. You're going to be in the courts they're going to flog you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to, they're going to try to destroy your life, Peter. And guess what? You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready in those moments when, when all of a sudden the persecution comes. You know what to say and you know in whom you believe. Can we confidently say tonight that we know the one in whom we believe? We are able to testify about him. It's important, church, that we're able to tell of the hope that we have. And this evening, I want to remind you of the hope that we have in Jesus. How many of you have placed your hope in Jesus? Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Is he your life? Is he your life? It's an interesting question, but is he your life? Or is he just part of your life? Is he just an additive or is he everything? There's a difference. I believe if the Lord is our life, then we must be able to offer this world an answer for the reason of the hope that we have. Amen. Psalms 119 and verse 46 says, I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Jesus speaking he says, I am sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. <laughs> I'm reading all the popular scriptures tonight, okay? <laughs> these, are, these are the grown-up scriptures, amen? How many of you want to grow up in Jesus? Amen, all right. I'm going to give you the grown-up ones tonight. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd, that, that word shrewd actually means wise, as snakes and innocent or harmless, other translations, as doves, 
He says, be on your guard for you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. See, we are living in these times. We are actually living in these times, but the truth of the matter is this, is that Jesus, Jesus has sent us out. We are living in these moments where people will persecute you, where people will challenge you, where people will literally be like a ravenous wolf wanting to devour the sheep. Wanting to silence you, wanting to, to you, know, you know, just you know, stop you from proclaiming who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for your life. And this whole idea doesn't sound too inviting, but here's the deal. The truth of the matter is that Jesus too came to the earth as a lamb. Jesus too came to this earth as a lamb. He came, as the scripture says, as a lamb of God, the one who would become the atoning sacrifice for the sins of this world. And unless his blood was spilled, then we would have no hope. Amen? Unless the blood of Jesus was spilled, we would have no hope. But here's the truth of the matter. It was because his blood was spilled. Everybody smile. I want to see your smile. (laughs) Some of y'all were like not even smiling. Okay, now keep a smile on your face and listen to what I'm about to read. Because his blood was shed for your sins. For our evil and our wrongdoing. For the very things that we have done that have hurt and pained the heart of God. We now, church, We now, church, behold the greatest story of all. And that is that the same blood that was spilled for us was also spilled for the rest of this world that through it, they might what? They might find eternal life through the life of Christ. Amen. You can stop smiling. No, I'm just kidding. Keep smiling if you want. And there's a lot of people, church, that will oppose this message. There's a lot of people that would oppose the fact that Jesus was real. There's a lot of people that would oppose the fact that, that, you know, he was Lord. There's a lot of people that would, you know, say, well, that's what your religion believes. That's what you think is the truth. There's a lot of people now that, that have begun to basically just dissect the Bible and say, oh, well, this is, is, isn't, you know, all true. It's not all, you know, real. And there's people that will question and question and question your belief in Jesus. And they would oppose the truth. And they would oppose the very message that the Lord has given us. Amen. But this truth and our love and our our obedience for Christ must always be first. This is why Paul said, revere him as Lord. What's more important? To be worried about somebody denying the message of Jesus or to be worried about Jesus denying you. Think about that just for a second. What's worse? I would hate to be the one that the, that the Lord would say, you know what? Depart from me. I never knew you because I lived my life in disobedience to his word. That would be the worst thing that you could ever hear. 
Far worse than somebody saying, oh, I don't want your Jesus. I talked to a guy uh, when we went out, you know, to minister uh, at, at the stores and, and I approached the guy, the Lord, you know, I really felt like I needed to approach him. And, and when I approached this particular individual, I said, hey, man, you know, I just, my name's Duke. And, you know, I, I quickly just kind of said, you know, I, 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 I love to, you know, pray for you. Is there anything that I could pray for today? And, and he was just kind of like, you know, kind of looked at me and gave me a look. And I said, you know, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And he's like, I'm not having that conversation. And at first it's like, okay, right? And I said, you know what, man? I, I totally understand. He's like, yeah, man, I'm not having that conversation. But you know what? Have a good day. And if you want to pray for me, go ahead and pray for me. I can't stop you. I'm like, well, I know you can't stop me. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Of course, I wasn't going to pray for him right then and there because he, he didn't want it. But what's the point? I, I, I left that encounter. I left that engagement with this individual having lost nothing. He didn't want to hear about Jesus. He didn't want to hear about the gospel. He didn't want to hear about the saving love that Jesus has given for his life. And I prayed for him afterwards, and, and my prayer for him was that, you know, I really felt the Holy Spirit just impress on my heart that he was angry with God. And I just said, Lord, you know what? Even let that two-second conversation be, Lord, a seed that was planted in his heart to know that the God of the universe still loves him and is reaching out to him to save his soul. But at the end of the day, church, we have to be prepared to give an answer, amen, regardless of the retaliation, regardless of the backlash or the reception of the message, we must first revere Christ as Lord. We must first revere him as Lord. Jeremiah 20 and verse 19, the prophet says this, he says, but if I say I would not mention him or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. He says, like a fire shut up in my bones. And he said, and I am weary of holding it in. He says, indeed, I cannot. I don't know anybody that's ever encountered Christ. I don't know anybody that's ever encountered Jesus who's been saved by him, whose life has been transformed and washed in the blood that could actually conceal him and keep quiet about who he is. I don't really know that person. It would be a shock to me to, to believe that a person has encountered Jesus and has really, you know, said yes to him and they revere him as Lord and yet they could still be silent about him every single day. But scripture proves it, right? We, re we remember that Jesus healed the 10 lepers and one came back to thank him and the rest just went on healed. They went on having been touched by the hand of God and by being healed by the Lord. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't thank him. He wasn't on their lips. He wasn't, you know, their praise. He wasn't the, the one that, you know, they were telling everybody who it was that, that gave them this healing that they had received. And I want to challenge us tonight, church, and I want to just remind us tonight that, that it's so important that, you know, if we truly revere him as Lord, then how could we stay silent? How could you stay silent? 
despite what the world wants to say and do towards your life, if you have met the lover of your soul and you've met the one that has paid the price to forgive you of your sins, you now have a purpose and a peace and you are now part of the plan of God for this world to reach souls for his kingdom. Everybody say amen. See how easy it was to speak? Some of us are quick to talk about things that don't even pertain or matter to the heart of God for hours on end. But when it comes to offering somebody life in Jesus, we stay silent. It's time for the church to get bold again. Amen? It's time for the church to tell the world about Jesus. So quickly tonight, I want to describe to you a few things that you know, uh, just how great our God is by, by, by telling you what he's done for me. Amen? Number one, the Lord saves. Amen? I know that the Lord saves. Amen? Because he saved me. I can tell you, you know, so many things about my life and the way that the Lord saved me is so powerful. You know, but I was in a place in my life where I literally had nothing and I, I had nobody and I had you know, no hope. I had a life that, you know, was literally about to end by, by suicide and taking my own life because, you know what, I, I had gone through so many things in this world offers us no hope. Amen? The world offered me no hope. You know, 13, 14 years of my life, you know, trust me, to want to end your life at that age is, is to tell you something that you've gone through, something very horrible. And for me, that was the place in life where the Lord found me, where I encountered the Lord for the first time. But when I finally had, had said yes to Jesus and I gave up all my life and all my rights and I said, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Lord. I want to, Lord, have my sins forgiven, Lord. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. I can honestly tell you, church, that he saved me. He saved me. He saved me from going down this, this path that I was headed on. He saved me from, you know, going down, you know, this, this way of life that was absolutely going to destroy me. And I don't know about you, but, but you know, I, I believe that we should all be able to testify and remember at the point to when the Lord saves you. Amen. Psalms chapter 40, the, the psalmist, he speaks and he says this. He said, you lifted me out of the mud and the mire. He said, you set my feet upon a solid rock. That was my life. Amen. I was, I was caked in mud and mire, man. You know, I was like a pig that was rolling around in the mud. You know, you ever seen them? Pigs, man, they, they have this thing with mud. They like to stay cool. But the mud and the mire that the scripture in the psalmist is talking about is actually the sin and the things of the world that were, you know, detestable and, and, and evil towards the heart of God. And when the Lord picked me up, it was like, you know, he instantaneously just washed me and made me clean. The Bible says, though your, your sins were as, as red as scarlet, as red as crimson, they would be made white as snow. Amen. How many of you know the Lord that way? I know the Lord that way. The Bible says that he has separated my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what salvation looks like. Amen. Psalms 22 in verse 5, it says this, to you they cried out. And they were saved. In you they trusted and they were not put to shame. You see, Christ alone saves. Amen? 
It wasn't anything that I did. It wasn't me, you know, coming to church and being a good person or anything like that. Christ alone was the one that saved my life. Amen. And Christ alone is the one that will save your life. He is the one that would save any person that would come to him. And in a world that we live in that's so desperately in need of help, one would think that the altars of churches would be full of people desperately coming to Jesus to receive his salvation and receive this free gift that he offers. But instead, it's, a, it's usually the opposite. The churches are getting emptier and people are turning to their own strength. They're turning to their own jobs, their friends, their self-help. They're turning to their government and politicians to save them. And Isaiah 59, I love this verse. This was a verse that my wife, you know, who was then, you know, just my, my girlfriend, she shared this verse with me, and it was the, one of the most pivotal verses that, that I needed to hear because I wanted to give up on the Lord. I wanted to, to just finally throw in the towel. And she shared this verse with me on a Sunday afternoon. I'll never forget. Isaiah 59 and verse 1, it says, But surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. He says, but your iniquities, that's your sin. It separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he would not hear. A lot of times we get saved, amen, but sometimes like a pig, we go back into the mud and the things that the Lord has saved us from. We wonder where God is. We wonder if the Lord has truly saved us. We wonder if we are actually saved. And here the scripture confirms it says, It's your iniquities that separated you from God. Amen? The Bible says that God's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Amen? But it's our sin. It's the things that we do in our life that causes us to not be able to hear God. It's, it's, it causes us to not be able to feel or know the presence of God. He says, Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. And and so it's important for us to understand, unless those, unless those the Lord longs to save and rescue repent of their sins and receive what Christ has done for them, it will be for them as if God himself didn't exist. This is why many people in the world choose not to believe in God because, because they say, well, I don't feel him, I don't see him, I don't know that he's there. What does the scripture teach us? To seek the Lord while he may be found. And he will be found by those who earnestly seek him. He will be found by those that are truly desiring him and wanting him for who he is. Psalms 33 and verse 16 says, No king is saved by the size of his army. And no warrior escapes by his great strength. It says, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Verse 20 says, so we wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our, our, our help and our shield and in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. And it says, may your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. You see, God alone saves. Amen? And God can save us from anything. Not any material thing or idol, but it's in Jesus alone that we are saved. Amen? And that hope that we have it should teach us and tell us and remind us that he can save your family too. 
Amen. He can save your loved ones too. He can save your boss. He can save your finances. He can save your children. He can save your marriage. He can save your soul. And we need to trust in him as our savior every single day. Amen. The second reason for the hope that I have is this, is that he loves me. How many of you know that the Lord loves you? Oh, man, how many of you have ever received the love of Jesus? Man, that is the best thing that you will ever encounter. Amen. Where would we be, church, without the love of Christ? Where would we be without this hope that we've found in Jesus? I know I could tell you, church, and I could give you story after story about my life, but I could tell you that it's been through his love and only through his love that I've seen his grace and his mercy upon my life every single day. It's the loving kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's knowing him in love. It's knowing what it is that he's done for you and the way that he loves us that causes us to come back to him if we've gone astray. The love of the Lord is so powerful, amen? Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says this, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ and it says, even when we were dead in transgressions, it says, it is by grace that you have been saved. Think about that for a moment. Because of his great love for you, God is rich in mercy. Amen? The Bible says that his compassion fails not. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy and his grace is an extension of his love for your life. But I have to tell you something, church. You know, it's important that we know that we are loved by the Lord. Amen? I believe love is one of the, one of the greatest qualities of who the Lord is. Amen? But one of the biggest lies that the enemy would ever tell you is that you are unloved. Amen? That is one of the biggest lies that the enemy would ever feed your life and, and put into your ear because this is why the enemy works constantly to destroy families, to tear apart relationships because daily the enemy wants you to feel separate from God and most of all separate from God's love. So the enemy works like a wedge in your life to tell you that you're not loved by God because maybe you prayed for something and, and you didn't see the results or you didn't see God come through for you at that time that you wanted him to. And so the enemy will put it in your heart that God doesn't really love you. The enemy will put it in your heart that when you, you know, wanted somebody to, to you know, be a part of your life in, in relationship or what have you, but all of a sudden they're with somebody else or they moved on or what have you, it causes you to go back to those feelings of thinking that you're not loved and that somehow it's God's fault. Somehow it's God's fault that you're feeling unloved by a person or by people or by the church or ultimately by God. But here's the truth of the matter. This truth remains and will always remain. I love, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. If, you, if you've ever read it, you'll know it as the chapter of love. Amen? So, so if you haven't read it, go home. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm not going to read it to you tonight. But there's a scripture in there that says this, God's love never fails. Love never fails. And the love that God has for you will never fail. Think about that promise and the power of that promise. 
It is so powerful, church. Romans 8, verse 35 says this. Paul speaking, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, as it's written, for your sake we face death all the day, the day long. And we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, but no. In all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Everybody say it. Who loves us. Verse 38, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Paul's 100% convinced of this fact. He knows that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. And guess what? The world needs to know, church, that the love that God has for them is for them. The world needs to know that this, this God that has created their life and has formed them and has given them a purpose and a plan actually loves them as well. You know, there's a difference between an atheist and an agnostic. An atheist is a person that doesn't believe in any deity. They believe in no God, in no existence of God. An agnostic's a little bit different. They do believe that there could be a deity, there could be a God. But the difference is they don't believe that that God associates with them. So that there's a separation, right? There, there's, you know, God is this being that lives up there, but he doesn't have any interaction with his people. And the reason I mention this is because it's important for us to understand something that some of us view God that way. And maybe your life with the Lord up until this point has been like that, that God's there and God exists, but God hasn't actually, you know, ever touched your life. God hasn't actually, you know, breathed upon your life. God hasn't actually, you know, placed his hand upon your life. He hasn't ever really done anything for you. He's just a distant figure. And I would challenge you to really press into the Lord and understand something, church. This God that you have and this God that is available to your life, this God that we know that the scripture teaches about, the Bible says that he is our ever-present help in time of need. The Bible says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Bible teaches us, church, that he's always with us. Can I say something? Because it needs to be said. Your emotions will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. You might not feel like God's not even in this room right now. Lie. You might not feel like, you know, God is speaking to your heart and to your life today. Lie. God is here. Amen. God is with us. Amen. The Lord is present in your life. Amen. Listen, and even despite the fact that you feel him, you recognize that he's there. You, 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 you are emotionally knowledgeable that the Lord is present in your life is a lie. Because those things, church, our emotions and our feelings are not final. God's word is final. And God's word never fails. And it is the truth. If he said he would never leave you or forsake you, that is the truth of the matter. But what if I can't feel him, Pastor Duke? It doesn't matter if you can't feel him. He is not gone. And if, by some crazy chance, you can't feel him, remember Isaiah 59. Maybe, just maybe, 
there's something in your life that has caused a separation between you and God, but it's never on God's end. The most rebellious child longs for love. The most independent person needs to know that somebody loves them and cares for them. Isn't it awesome, church, you know, despite, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the things that you've experienced in your life, whether it's been good parenting or not good parenting, whether it's knowing that somebody cares for you or not, or feeling love from family or friends or living a perfect life, that, you know, regardless of those things, the scripture teaches us in 1 John 4 and 9, says this is how God showed his love amongst us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, regardless of, the, of how you've lived your life up until this point or how you've been treated or how others have been an example to you, none of that weighs in comparison to what was done for your life. And that is that God showed his love by giving his son for our sins. Amen. Can you thank the Lord for that and thank the Lord for his love tonight? The Lord will never forsake you. He'll never for, fake you. He'll never, you know, you know, shame anybody that puts their trust in Christ. My hope reminds me also that the Lord heals, church. That the Lord heals. Amen. He saves. He loves. He heals. And I know personally in my own life that the Lord's healed me many times from just different things, not only physically, but emotionally as well. The Lord's healed me from countless battles, you know, with, with asthma and things like that, things that I've gone through in my personal life. And some might say, well, you know what, it's not a healing if it comes back. But I would, you know, argue and say that, you know, would you say that you are not saved if the devil keeps tempting you? You know, would you say that you're not saved if the enemy keeps attacking your life? Listen, Sometimes, you know, we can be healed by God, and guess what? You could be healed of a headache right now instantaneously, but you might get one tomorrow. Amen? Does it nullify that God healed you in that moment? No, it doesn't. God healed you. Amen? But it just means that affliction could always come back, and I know the Lord has healed me many times. You know, as a young man, I was very, very sick, and, and, and you know, some of you don't know that part of my life. You know, you weren't there <laughs> You, you, you know, we don't go that far back, but, you know, it, when, when I was, you know, growing up, I was very sick. And to even be where I'm at today, to be able to speak for, you know, a long period of time is a miracle of God in and of itself. Because I couldn't speak at times because I had no breath in my lungs. I couldn't even converse with people because I couldn't breathe. I sounded like, you know, an accordion. <laughs> My breathing was so horrible. It was so bad because, you know, I, I, I was literally fighting for air every day of my life. But I've seen the power of God's healing hand at work in my life. I've seen and received healing and forgiveness for a broken and bitter heart. How many of you have ever received healing from the Lord? Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was emotional, you know, different, different types of ways, you know, relational you know, the Lord can heal us of anything that we have ever gone through. The Lord is able, his blood is more than able to heal us from anything that we will ever be challenged with in this life. The Lord will give you a new heart, 
of joy. Amen? If your heart was broken, he'll give you a new heart of joy. If your mind was damaged, you know, by words and things that people have said, the Lord can give you a new mind. Amen? The Lord can heal your physical body. And for some people, you might be constantly struggling with your past from where it was that God has brought you. For others, you might be recently sick or hurt by somebody or in need of God's healing hand upon your life to mend your broken heart. And guess what? I'm here to tell you that he can. I'm here to remind you tonight that the Lord can do all of these things. Psalms 34 and verse 18, one of my favorite verses, it says this. The Lord is close. Everybody say close. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, no matter the great trials that we face, the great trauma that we face, persecution, lies, accusation, it doesn't matter what it is. It could just be, you know, a failed relationship. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. There's something about our pain that draws the Lord near us. There's something about the things that you go through in your life that, that, you know, maybe the enemy shot something towards your life that damaged you, that afflicted you, that hurt your life. And guess what? There's something about that that causes the Lord to draw near to your life. And when he draws near, he is present. And the scripture says he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is when he draws near to your life, he doesn't leave you the way that he found you broken and hurting and crushed in spirit. But what does he do? He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He picks you up from that place where you've been hurt and damaged and he cleans you up. The Bible says that he is a good shepherd. And the good shepherd, what the good shepherd does in scripture is the good shepherd will actually pick up the lame sheep and carry that lame sheep upon his shoulders bandage it, mend it, wrap it up, take care of it, and make sure that it's well. And the Lord is exactly that. The Lord has been that in my life in countless times, numerous ways that I can tell you where I was so broken, I did not want to continue on. I was so hurt in my life from something that somebody told me that, that, that damaged me, that caused me to want to step back and never you know, fulfill his plan for my life ever again. But guess what? I'm thankful for the hope that I have found in Jesus. Amen? Because every single time I was crushed, I just remember that he was crushed for me. The Bible says that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The punishment that brought you and I peace in our life and hope and joy and restoration and love was upon him first. And so I can always have hope. I can always rejoice. I can always know that the Lord will save me. Psalms 103 and verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, and he heals all of your diseases. Amen. And last, I'm thankful that I have hope in Jesus because he provides. How many of you know the Lord as Jehovah Jireh? Amen. Our provider, Psalms 37 and verse 25 says, I was young and now I'm old. 
Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. The scripture teaches us of a, of a powerful story in Genesis chapter 22. And the Bible speaks of a man with great faith and his name was Abraham. And Abraham was, would be a, a, a man that the Lord would choose to, you know, be, become, you know, the, you know, the father to many nations, right? And he would be this, this man that the Lord would use, you know, in such a powerful, powerful way. But God tested Abraham one day to see if he would pass the test. And how many of you know that, you know, God tests us, amen? Did you know that? See, God tests us, but the enemy tempts us. They're two different things. God will test your life. And why does God test us? I want to cause us to just, you know, think about this just for a second. Why does the Lord test us? Because obedience, church, is measured through our response to God and not through our reaction to our circumstance. Think about that. Obedience is measured through our response to God and not through our reaction to our circumstances. You see, tests will cause us to either pass or fail. Tests will cause us to reveal where we actually are in our faith. A test will cause you to really you know where you're at in your relationship with God. You know, the disciples, the apostles, they faced many tests. And ultimately they passed because they were always leaning on Jesus. And they never took, you know, a, a moment to say, you know what, I'm just going to lean on myself and just try to figure this out. So God tests Abraham. And the test was this. He asked him to take his only son, Isaac, up to the mountain and offer Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And so in obedience, Abraham, he sets off to take him to this place of offering. And we find this story in Genesis 22 and verse 9. It says that when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, think about what is being asked of Abraham. God's like, take your son, Abraham, and you're going to sacrifice him. I would have failed the test immediately. <laughs> I would have been like, God, this is, this is crazy. I, I can't do this, Lord. What are you asking me to do? But Abraham, in obedience, he takes his son. He binds up his son, Isaac. He lays him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took out a knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And verse 13 says, Abraham looked up and in there, in, a, in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14 says, so Abraham called this place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's a powerful story of obedience. 
Because the first thing that I talked to us about tonight was revering Christ as Lord. Obeying. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? You'll obey what I command. You see, love isn't just the time that we sing in a service setting like this. And, and it's not the times that we just tell God that we love him. Love is measured in our obedience to him. In our obedience and in our response to what he's asked us to do. It's passing the test by showing him that we truly love him. And just as God provided a sacrifice for Abraham in his obedience, he also provided his perfect son, Jesus, to die for our sins. The one and the only thing that we could never buy and provide for ourselves. God asked his son, he says, son, will you give your life for the sins of the world? And Jesus willingly obeyed. Not any one of us could ever come up with an amount large enough to buy and secure a place for ourselves in heaven. And this is why God had to give us his perfect son, Jesus, the one that would pay our debt for all eternity. The one that would take our place. And it doesn't matter, church, what your need is. Spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, in Christ. I want to remind us, in Christ, all needs are met. Amen. In Christ, all needs are met because God is a perfect provider. I love that verse in Matthew 6 and 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There's something about the order in which the Lord tells us and instructs us. That should cause us to understand this about the Lord. Does the Lord care about your needs? Yes, he does. Does he care about the things that you're going through in your life? Yes, he does. Is he compassionate towards you and the things that you are facing and dealing with in your life? Absolutely. But never before his kingdom. His kingdom is first. Amen? His work is first. If he is Lord, he will be first and he will be second in no place. He will be second in no area of your life. I believe that there's people that are here tonight and there's people that have been in that place in your life where you have not had your needs met. And maybe you haven't had a need met by God because here's the deal, God can only exercise his faithfulness, church, when we exercise our faith. God can only exercise his faithfulness in your life when we have first exercised our faith. Abraham, by faith, proved his trust in God. Amen? Abraham, by faith, proved that he was going to be an obedient son to God. And so how are you showing the Lord that your faith is in him for what you're praying that he provides for? How are you showing the Lord that your faith is truly in him, that you are trusting in him by what you are praying that the Lord provide for in your life? See, the Lord is faithful in everything that he does, church. He is always faithful and he is always able to make a way. But here's the deal. We must always revere him first as Lord. And we must always be obedient to what he's asked of us and the healing and the saving
and the need meeting and all of these other things. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.